All right. Let's do it. Uh, Luke chapter 5. We're going to hit verses 7, 27 through 32 today. Um, we were going to get to the end of the chapter, but as I started working through this, both with the idea of Palm Sunday and the idea of Easter and how the next two sets were going to play out, there was just so much yum, so much good stuff in here that I wanted to share it with you. Now, I'm going to teach you things today, but I'm not going to necessarily teach you how you need to be or what you need to do or how you need to go. All right, I'm going to teach you things. Uh, it reminds me of when Jesus said, and these things were spoken so that, all right? So there's going to be things that we learned today that I'm sure that you did not know. I, we, I am. I'm sure you did not know because some of them I did not know, right? And, and we're going to talk about this passage that you may or may not have heard before, but we're going to add to it what should have been or could have been because of where he was standing or what should have been or could have been because of what his job was. We're going to break down all of the little things that seem meaningless in here, and, and they're going to give us more meaning to the whole. We've done a lot of talk over the last few days with our staff about, about synergy, right? So each one of us is incredible, but all of us together are even stronger than any of us could be individually or added up. All right. And so we're going to let synergy, all right, multiply the power and the message of this passage today. As always, let's read first. I will do my best not to preach while I'm going, and then we'll come back and preach and teach. Okay. Just uh, five or six verses today. After this, we're going to talk first about what this is, because that's important. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector. We're going to talk about that. By the name of Levi, we're going to talk about that. Sitting at his tax booth. We're going to talk about that. You see, all these little things that you're like, oh, it's just telling a story. No, each thing means a whole lot more. Follow me. Very important. Jesus said to him, Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi, then Levi, after Jesus said, follow me, and he left it all and followed him, then, going to be an important word today, you're like, then? Yes, then. Levi held a great banquet and Jesus at his house. A large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. The others and the tax collectors are important because they are the opposite of the Pharisees and teachers of the law who belong to the sect. The people who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why? Do you eat and drink with sinners? Jesus starts off with the easy, very common sense. Why did you ask a stupid question? Answer. Jesus said, is it not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick? Do well people go to the ER? No. And then Jesus does what Jesus does, maybe more fun than anybody else. And most of the time, us believers miss it because we're a little too proper. I don't want to be improper. I don't want to make fun of the scripture, but I do want to bring life to it because these were actually real life people, all right? It might have been like Charlton Heston in the black and white and so saith the handsome man. It might have been, but I'm going to call it ordinary Joe, right? I mean, this is just, it's real. So Jesus probably in his humanity and his divinity was like, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He spits out a lot of theology there. It's not deep, but it's real. And he's talking right to these guys. And he is not 
outcasting them. But it's sure going to feel like it the way he said it, all right? It's a matter of the heart whether they get it. I'm going to say that right now. It'll be a matter of the heart whether you do too. Let me just throw that out there. That didn't come out at nine. It probably should have. It'll be a matter of the heart whether you do too. That's not bad or good. That's just reality. All right? Here we go. After this, all right, we, we have to figure out what this was because it changes what we're going to read, all right? So this was the two or three things that happened right before. So at the beginning of this chapter, we have the calling of the first disciples. That is important because the first disciples were Peter, James, and John. What do we know about Peter, James, and John? They were fishermen. They were rednecks. They were not well-educated. They were locals, all right? They were big boys. You don't nickname people who look like this sons of thunder. You do not. You have to be larger, thicker, and hairier to be nicknamed sons of thunder. These weren't, you know, cloth-wearing toga guys. They were in leather togas. They were riding Harley-Davidson camels, all right? That's who we're dealing with. These are the first called. They all right? This is the way it is. They worked on the shore, and they were from the same town, and they were Jewish people. Jesus calls them. Then, poor regular old, you know, folk. Then, Jesus goes to a leper, the diseased and outcasted of them all, and doesn't just heal him, but touches him. One who's teaching the law, totally against the law, touches him. And after that, he goes to a paralytic. Not as big a deal until you think back to the symbolism of what John the Baptist said when he said, I came to, to preach the good news to the sinful, the blind, those who are paralyzed by sin. These are the people he's talking to. He's setting the message and doing the message all at the same time. His ministry is folding over itself. It's beautiful. It's knitted just like he knitted us with all of the things that we need to make a beautiful story. All right? So we know that the first called people were sinners. We know that Jesus went to a leper. We know that Jesus went to a paralytic. And then... Jesus went out and saw a tax collector. In every way, every form, and every fashion, these were probably the most hated people by the Jews. Why were they the most hated people by the Jews? Because they stole, because they represented Rome, because they represented everything that their religion did not. We, you know, we want to be a religion of giving, of serving. They are a, 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 a nation of taking and, and commandeering and overwhelming and beating down with armies. The authority wasn't the same. So they represented the Roman government. They took their money. They gouged people for their money. They got rich while everybody else got poor. Else got poor. They were hated, all right? We can give this guy Levi both a boost if we need to or make him look worse if we need to, all right? Here's why Levi was worse. He was a Jew. He grew up in this town. He probably went to elementary school with Peter, with James, with John, maybe even with Andrew, who was probably also called by this time. Second, he grew up in the church with these religious leaders. How do, <clears throat> how do I know that? Listen to me. His name, Levi. Levi is a Jewish name. It's not just a Jewish name. It gets worse. It is from the tribe of, guess who? 
Levi. And guess who comes from the tribe of Levi? The priests. This guy's bloodline was to the priests in the Jewish culture. Interestingly enough, Levi is known by another name. I'm not going to drop that name till later. Some of you know, but I'm going to hold on to that name and we'll drop it in later. Two of the three gospels mention his name. Interestingly enough, two of the gospels call him Levi every time he's talked about. One of them calls him by his other name every time he's talked about. And it's really interesting which is which out of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, who does what? Really interesting when you know who he is. Levi is also, because of his background, honest. So I told you there was something that could bring him down. They could hate him more because he was one of their own and he's working for the bad guys. Or at least he was a tax collector that didn't really cheat. He got rich. He got wealthy by doing what he was supposed to do. But he was, he was known for not being the gouge, all right? How do I know that he was rich if he didn't gouge? Sitting at his tax booth. I've told you about tax collectors before. You have a chief tax collector. That's what Zacchaeus was, who has other tax collectors underneath him. So Rome sends the chief tax collector to a place like Kentucky, and he is over that place. And then there are tax collectors in every county, all right? So Rome says to Zacchaeus, I need 5%. Zacchaeus says to his boys, bring me 6%. I will keep one of every 120 counties. So I'm getting 120% and they get five of theirs. And then the tax collector says to the people, give me seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever they wanted. And they kept what they got. But that means they have to go. There was a set of tax collectors that didn't go anywhere. They were set up at booths. These were the guys that collected on the income, on the trading, on the goods, on the travel. And Levi was set up by the shore at the intersection of a major highway and the intersection of the only place in the region where goods ships came in and out. He owned basically the area where um, everybody flew in. He worked downstairs at, at customs at the Atlanta airport and taxed everything he saw. With, and it was his right. Okay? Makes a difference. He was extremely wealthy. All right? And everybody's blown away. And Levi's like, he probably watched all this. And it's not a big town. It's not a small town. But y'all know how things go. Word travels. And now he knows about the leper. And he knows about the paralyzed man. And he's seen this guy come and go. But Jesus doesn't have anything, doesn't carry anything with him. So he doesn't pay anything. He just says hi to Levi. Not this day. He walks to the shore. And I got to tell you, I believe Peter, James, John, and Andrew were wondering what he was doing. I got to think that on this day that they're going, where are you going? And Jesus has a little different walk. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about when you're just sauntering along, but when you're walking with a purpose, like, like he's going somewhere. Peter, James, and John, I've only seen this look a couple times and crazy things have happened. So he's walking right toward Levi. Don't you think Peter wanted to go, can we talk for a second before you do whatever it is you're going to do? Can we tell you about this guy? Can we tell you what he did to me, mammy? Can we tell you what he did to me, family? Can we? Have y'all ever done that? Have y'all ever known that there was somebody out there that needed Jesus, but you were like, can I tell you how much he drinks? Can I tell you how dirty he is? Can I tell you how, how much he, he doesn't smell as good? Can I tell you what his parents, anybody ever thought like that, walked like that, even said things like that? Shame on us. We're a judgmental folk when it comes to things. I don't know that Peter, James, and John, they were disciples, but they were just like us. 
and they didn't think this was a good idea. Let me just fill you in on something. Jesus didn't give a flying flip. Were you afraid for a second there? I was. Anybody else's heart skip a beat? You guys are terrible. Flip. All right. Jesus walks right up to this guy and looks him in the eye and said, guys, all of us would need a conversation. We would. We would need a conversation. We would need a dialogue for what's about to happen to happen. If you wouldn't, you are a better man or woman than I and than everyone I've ever met. Because Jesus walks with authority right up to a guy who he knows grew up in the scriptures, who he knows has priest line in his blood, who he knows will absolutely tick off the guys he's already called. He is not looking for settling things down and looks at him and he says, follow me. Now we got to stop here and we got to teach one another what that means. I'm going to tell you something. I want you to listen. We grew up in a Baptist church. I grew up in a Baptist church. I, I, I was an evangelist. I traveled. I've done this. I've called people to the altar. I've called people to the baptismal. I've called people to be saved. I've, I've done all of those things. I believe in all of those things. But I want to be very clear about something because I get asked a lot, of, a lot of times why I don't make everybody stand up and sing six verses of just as I am and hope that you come forward so that I can dunk you in the pool. Because I, I, don't, I don't have any need for that. You don't get a card that you insert at the gates and they open wide. Us voting you into the church doesn't get you in. If I dunk you long enough, you don't stay wet enough to slide through a slip and slide into the pearly gates. It doesn't work that way. We're a church that builds relationships with people so that they find a relationship with a Jesus that is real and wonderful that they want to follow just because. And the minute you decide to follow him, all the rest is taken care of. And so I want you to know that the only invitation Jesus ever gave in the scripture was follow me. Let me dissect that for you. Following is not leading. Following is not part-time. Following is not sometimes. Following is not standing in front of. Following is following. Jesus is in front. He is not the co-pilot. Following is following. And me means Jesus. Craig doesn't get to say follow me and make it so that I look like Jesus. Johnny Ray and Steve don't just need to say follow us and we'll make you look like you. No, you follow Jesus. We don't follow religion. We don't follow Baptists. We don't follow contemporary. We don't follow people who believe what we say they believe. We don't follow politics. We don't follow what Craig thinks the Bible says. We follow Jesus. And if we're all following Jesus, then we're all heading down the same path. We're all working in the same direction and we're all unified and we will get there in the end. Woo! So Levi got up and followed him. There wasn't any exclamation and there, explanation and there wasn't any dialogue. Something in his eyes had to be. You know it and I know it. It's not in the scripture, but it had to be in the eyes of Jesus. Same thing the woman who was not stoned saw when she looked up and nobody else was around. Same thing the woman at the well saw when she looked and knew he wasn't the same color, but knew there was something different. There was something in his eyes when he said, follow me. And he left everything and followed him. You know, the story happens the other way in the Bible, right? There was another rich man, another rich young man, another rich young man who lived near the sea. All right? And Jesus said, go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And you will have treasure in heaven. He even made him a promise. 
And at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. That's the rich young ruler, quoted from the NIV. This is the opposite. This man leaves everything and follows him. Listen to me. Something happens when you leave everything to follow him. Something happens when you leave everything to follow him. Let me say it again. Something happens when you leave everything to follow him. Well, Craig, if, if, if something didn't happen, does that mean I'm not following him? That's not what I said, but it is something maybe you ought to check into. A tree will be known by its fruit that it bears, not by what somebody calls it. You don't walk up to a tree, any tree, and say banana tree, and then it starts producing bananas if it's a peach tree. doesn't happen. And if you are a believer in Jesus and the fruits of his spirit pour out in you, they will be evident, all right? What happened to Levi? Nothing mattered but introducing the people he know who were like him to a Jesus that he now believed in. Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of the outcast, of the outsiders, of the non-members of the sect were eating with him. You know what's happening? Jesus is inside laughing, eating, drinking, being merry with these guys, answering their questions, loving them, dining at the table. Maybe they were reclined at what's called a triclinium. That's a three-sided couch where they would have conversations, and they are having the best time. And you know what's going on right outside the door? You've got the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and the teachers of the law. Listen, and the disciples. How do I know that? Because the religious leaders are complaining to the disciples, which means the disciples aren't where Jesus is right this minute. They're right outside the door or right outside the room. Has to be that way. So the leaders are looking at the disciples and the disciples are looking at the leaders and the leaders don't want to go in because they're not supposed to be with unclean people. And the disciples want to go in because that's where Jesus is, but they've grown up not supposed to be around those other people. So they're completely conflicted, all right? Because Jesus is in there having a ball and they want to be in there having a ball, but all those other guys are in there and that's the guys they're not supposed to like. And they still haven't learned what church is all about anyway. So they're just standing out there listening. So they finally, one of them goes into Jesus, probably Peter, and says, Jesus, um, the guy's outside. And if we're honest, us want to know why you're eating with these people. I, I wish Jesus had said, because we were hungry. He said something close. He said, I didn't come for the healthy. I didn't come to save the saved. I came to save the lost. Now, here's what happens in our culture now. We hear something we don't want to hear. We always find a way that it adversely affects us. Even if it's good, if you hear something that you don't like or you hear something that you don't want to hear, it adversely affects us. Hey, 700 homeless people came to my church today. 300 of them are going to be back next week and they got saved. There should be a celebration, but there will be people who go, it's not going to smell good and where am I going to sit? Am I right? Am I right? So the idea there is that the beautiful thing that happened adversely affects you. As if there's some way that having 300 more people here means you can't get as much Jesus as you used to get. Think about that for a minute. Is there a limit to Jesus? As if 472 people get him and it's all done, so the 473rd person is out of luck? Think about the things that we say and do. 
and then look in the mirror and say, I'm an idiot. And when we recognize that we're idiots, the next passage will be clear. Huh? The next passage will be clear. All the Pharisees and teachers of the law needed to do was recognize that the rules they set out to follow weren't there to keep people out, but to help people understand when they got in how to live. But the rules became the gates. They became the walls. And it was the people inside the room who didn't care about the rules, who cared about Jesus. And the people outside the room, the room trying to follow the rules that didn't understand and wouldn't even understand when Jesus died and cried out, it is finished. You see, everybody following the rules is living their life as is there's something that they can do. Jesus came to call it done. What are you? You would do? Or do you party because it's done? Or have you lost your party? You know what his name was? He's mentioned one more time. You know what's even weirder? There's nothing in all four gospels where he ever spoke. You know, when Jesus says, it says Jesus said, or Peter said, or Andrew said, or Philip said. This guy never speaks in all of the gospels. But he's mentioned one more time. Coming up, there's going to be a list of the 12 disciples. And when he is mentioned, they call him Matthew Levi. Levi's his Jewish name. Matthew's his Roman name. And guess who wrote the first book of the New Testament? Same guy. I think if he were sitting here, he'd say, no. No, they never. They never talked about what I did anymore. And I never had much to say then. But 30 40, 50 years later, I needed the world to know what happened to me. Do you know that it is Mark and Luke that call him Matthew, or that call him Levi, but it's Matthew that calls himself Matthew? And I read this morning, I read this morning, actually I heard it on a video, this morning, a scholar say something that blew me away. He said, I believe that Matthew called himself Matthew because of the power that Jesus had worked in his life and he never wanted to forget what he used to be. Jesus saved him, Jesus loved him. This is the only eyewitness account that we have in the gospels. There's eyewitness accounts later of things. Luke is able to give an eyewitness account of the things that happened in Acts, but Luke could not give you an eyewitness account of what went on during Jesus's life, he wasn't there. Mark wasn't there. Mark got all of his stuff from Peter, James, and John and talking to people. But Matthew, Matthew used Mark. Matthew used Luke. But Matthew was there. That's why there's details in Matthew. When there's a similar story, almost always Matthew has more details. Why? Matthew was there. So this guy, this guy might not have said much, but he got up, he followed. He was incredible at reaching out he knew exactly what the gospel was about, so he wrote it. Cool stuff. Let's pray.
and wondered how he could love me, a sinner, condemned, unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song will ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. We never need to forget that we're sinners. And if the Pharisees and teachers of the law had simply realized that they were too, the gospel was also for them. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He wasn't excommunicating them. He was simply saying the biggest difference between you and the people in the party is that they know they need me and you don't. Let us never forget how much you love us and how much we need you and how much the world needs us to be changed, saved, sanctified, healed, and sent. So God, make a drastic difference in our lives. Let us not conform, but let us be transformed and then send us. Let us be that church in Jesus' name. Amen.